0: Welcome to the Tide Talk Podcast, and now a word from our sponsors. What's up, everybody? It's Stacy Blackwood with the Tide Talk Podcast. Uh, We have a great episode tonight as uh, we interview Drew DeArmond of 97.7 The Zone, uh, ESPN affiliate in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, He he brings us some great insight into what's happening in fall camp and what we can expect in the 2019 season. So we hope you all enjoy it. We had a lot of fun with the interview, and we appreciate Drew's time. You all enjoy. All right, well, we're joined now with uh, Drew DeArmond of 97.7 The Zone. It's the only uh, sports talk radio show or radio station in the Tennessee Valley. So, we're excited about having Drew on. Uh, he's got a lot of good insight on college football and, and college hoops, too. So, maybe, you know, down the road we can get him on to talk some college hoops. We're excited about the Nate Oates era. But uh, right now, it's, we're in the middle of fall camp, and, uh, you know, it's just a lot going on and uh, <laughs> kind of battling the injury bug again, it seems like. But uh, – Hopefully they can stay healthy the rest of the way through to the season starts. But, you know, kind of to start out with, Drew, uh, you know, has there been anything that surprised you, maybe a player, or, you know, that's kind of stood out to you maybe the most uh, so far this fall camp? Uh, Well, I don't
1: know about, you know, stand out so far. You know, I guess maybe uh, if you wanted to say, you know, carrying it over, say a surprise from – Uh, going into spring and then continuing into fall is probably Giles Amos, uh, the walk-on tight end from Perry, Georgia, who, uh, with the loss of Irv Smith, I mean, he's the one dynamic weapon that Alabama did lose, uh, besides, of course, the two running backs, Damian Harris and Josh Jacobs. But, uh, you know, I think Giles is, uh, you know, he's someone that's been in the program for five years. We haven't seen too much out of him, but it just it's kind of funny how sometimes opportunity, uh, you know, can – Bring about something like this, and he's taking full advantage of it. When he was, uh, made, when he started flashing in the spring, I wasn't sure, you know, that we would continue into the fall because, yeah, I, you know, Alabama could go a graduate transfer route. They decided not to. I think a lot of it was because of having confidence in him. But you also had younger guys uh, like uh, Cameron Latu, who actually had seven catches in the last scrimmage. So he did a good job with the twos, but he had been moved over to tight end. It was going to continue to develop. Uh, And then I knew they wanted to get Major Tennyson back from the injury situation. And they signed Jaleel Billingsley from Chicago, who I know they really like a lot. I think they think he can develop into a dynamic weapon. Then you've got guys like Michael Parker, who's a redshirt freshman from here, uh, where I'm from, at Westminster Christian. So there's just a lot of guys uh, that you start thinking about. And, of course, Miller Forstall, who's been banged up. But uh, I just wondered if he could continue – to earn the trust of the coaching staff and earn a role, but he's been with the ones pretty much throughout. I think he had three or four catches on Saturday at the scrimmage, so he uh, looks like he's going to be one of their top two tight ends. I still don't trust Major Tennyson yet. Uh, you know, I know they'd like to you know, him to develop into kind of a Hell Hinches inline blocker. I still think Giles may do that. They need Miller Forstall healthy. You know, I'm hearing that you know some of these injuries are maybe in his head a little bit because he had the knee the ACL and then this foot injury. Hopefully he's going to get healthy before Duke because ideally I think the coaching staff would like him to start because, uh, they, he has the most experience of of
0: anyone at the position. Yeah, that's the the tight end position. I've said all all summer long was going to be the toughest position to fill with Irv Smith going, going to the draft. Uh, he, he, not only for the production, but like you said, the experience and, uh, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, kind of how that role is filled. And it's probably going to be, you know, a multitude of guys like you mentioned. But uh, I, I know, uh, you know, a, a position to me that's that's real interesting is really it's the offensive line. And, and so far in fall camp, they've mixed it up between different guys in different places. And, you know, if you had to, to kind of just guess of who, who would be the starting five on the offensive line come August 31st, who would those five be?
1: Well, uh, certainly the tackles, I think, are locked down. Uh, left tackle will be Alex Leatherwood. He played right guard last year, and this he's now at his natural position. Uh, I still think when you go back and watch the second half of that national championship win, come back over Georgia, you saw him at his natural position. Uh, and I think he played very well in the stead of Jonah Williams. I think he's, uh, he, he can develop into a high draft choice at that spot. Uh, I think right tackle Jedrick Wills can be one of the best in college football. So I think, uh, you know, uh, Nick Alabama's had some good offensive lines under Coach Saban, but I think this is probably the two best bookend tackles, you know, that, they, that they've had. Uh, and then, you know, inside there's a lot of competition, but I think Evan Neal has been the real deal from the jump, and I think he's got a chance to be special. I think he's going to be the left guard. Uh, no question about that. Uh, right now, I think he's well on his way to locking that down. And then right guard, I think it's going to be Emil Ekior at this point in time. I, I just, unfortunately for him, and a lot of this is timing, it, and then, of course, how much talent there is. He got hurt at you know, bad times, but I'm just not sure you know that Matt Womack's going to be healthy enough to start. I think he can be a swing guy for them eventually if he can play guard and tackle, but I think you know Emil Echeord's the more talented guy as a redshirt freshman, and I just think overall, uh, you know that uh, that you know he's going to end up starting at right guard, though he may just be keeping the seat warm depending on how he plays for you know Deontay Brown to come back off suspension uh, in the, in October because I think when you guys saw Alabama last year when Cornbread was in the lineup, I mean that's when they were at their best, and his suspension. Mm-hmm. Is not talked about a lot, but that was a, a big absence against Clemson. If you go back and look at the, uh, the the Mississippi State game, Mississippi State had as good a defense as Alabama saw, but before he went out with the turf toe, Alabama was able to run the ball in Mississippi State inside uh, because of Deontay. So if he continues to earn the trust of the coaching staff and doesn't, you know, regress like, uh, you know, uh, like uh, – you know, the our, our tight end friend uh, from Waco, Texas, who's no longer with us, right. who is now at SMU, <laughs> Kedry James. Then I think he's going to be back in the lineup. I, mean, I talked to Kyle Flood after the spring, and he just really felt like that Deontay was still heavily in the plan. So, but I do think in Atlanta you'll you'll see Emil Echior at right guard, and the only job to me that's still up in the air is center, and I think my gut tells me it's going to be Landon Dickerson. Yeah. I just think, uh, you know, he didn't get here until August because he had to graduate from FSU, so he got a late start. He started out with the threes at right guard and quickly moved up to the twos and is now has moved over to center. And everyone that, you know, I'm talking to just really believes that that's where it's, you know, leaning toward because he's just too good to keep out. I think he came here with the right mindset. You know, he wanted to be a part of a championship program. He's 6'6", 3'10". He's a little bit bigger than your normal center, but uh, he's a really good athlete. He's got some nastiness to him. And his big issue at FSU was just staying healthy. And I think he also got tired of the inconsistency of the program. And I can share a story here with you guys. I can tell you this. He told Nick Saban, basically, in the players, he said, look, man, at my other place, we didn't have as many clothes as you have we didn't have as many parents you get we sure didn't eat like you guys eat and these facilities are unbelievable so he said you shouldn't come you know in other words don't complain and be happy with what you got because you know you, you, you this place is not like everywhere else and i mean that, and that's coming from florida state which is a
0: you know a three-time national championship program yeah you know you kind of let in i was going to ask about about dickerson you know and you you brought up the the size that he has and when I mean just even up against some of the guys that are already there that are also big, he just he just looks different kind of big, and uh, I mean his mm-hmm. his his arms are massive and like you said he's just uh he's he's a lot so he's got to be extremely athletic to be able to play that center position at that size, so uh, that, that that has me really excited if he can come in and get that position and I I'm with you I feel like the offensive line can be better than it's been in in, in a few years. Uh, uh with, yeah. with the talent that's there. And, and I feel like with Kyle Flood, it's going to be get more to a mean streak like, like it used to be, like the dominant offensive line we're used to, like it was in the early saving days. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: I, I don't think there's any doubt. I, I think uh, coaching wise, it's definitely an upgrade. I know there was some consternation because he wasn't the offensive line coach with the Falcons. His first shot, I think he was the assistant, and the second year, he was a consultant. But Yep, and, and then they were uh, – some were bothered by how his tenure ended at Rutgers as head coach. But, look, that has nothing to do with coaching offensive line, none of it. Right. Uh, as far as on the college yeah. level, if you go back and look at it, he did one hell of a job under Greg Schiano in a very tough place to win at Rutgers. Uh, yeah. I, I think yeah. he's cut from the same cloth as, you know, Jeff Stoutland. And if he can recruit a little bit better, and that was Jeff's weakness, then Alabama will be just fine. I certainly think uh, – maybe he – He's maybe not be as good a technical coach as Jeff, but not many are. I mean, he won two national championships at Alabama and then a Super Bowl with the Eagles. But I think he's in the ballpark. And you know, I'll say this. I mean, I don't. I hope you don't mind the uh, for your listeners a, a little bit of a colorful language. But you know, I, I, a, 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 someone I spoke with that, that uh, you know was talking to a current player. Uh, you know, right after the hire, he, he told a friend of mine. This stuff. Uh, offensive lineman said, "Man, I'm gonna tell you what. I don't know about Coach Flood. Uh, so far, he's an asshole." And that, was, <laughs> that, was, that was great news for me. I'm the same he, way. That, I feel that, the that's same. That's that's what I want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You want you want somebody that's gonna come there and uh, take control of the room and, and just set the tone. And I think that's what they needed. I think I don't think Brent Key was a, a very good coach or recruiter, quite frankly. Uh, I, think I think he, he was overrated
0: coach. recruiter. I really do.
1: Oh, yeah, he, he, there's no yeah. question. I mean, that, you know, he couldn't figure out the Clay Webb situation. And and, and and like I say, I think the offensive line, I think Nick Saban wasn't satisfied with the development, especially of the younger linemen. And, uh, you know, Kyle Flood, came, you know, uh, was kind of a package deal with, uh, you know, Steve Sarkeesian. I think Sark approached Saban about wanting to come back and was like, hey, I I think I got an offensive line coach for you. So I just think there's good chemistry between those two guys and good trust and you know, certainly, I I have no problem with what, uh, you know, uh, you know what Mike Loxley did a year ago. I think Locks did a good job as OC. I mean, and, uh, and I don't think he's a great play caller, but I mean, look, I think he put together a good enough offense, and and he did one hell of a job recruiting. And one thing he did do, much like Jeremy Pruitt, is you know he, he finished he finished the right way. He helped Alabama finish well on the recruiting trail. He didn't force Kirby Trees <laughs> and and uh, try to you know do things the wrong way and and just be a cut be cutthroat I mean he was he knew he owed Nick Saban his career so right you know he was a class act when he left and he's a big reason that a big piece of the puzzle and Evan Neal is here because Georgia tried to pull everything you know under the sun to get him they tried to get Trey Sanders and certainly the loss of Trey Sanders hurts but I think Alabama they need they should stay healthy (laughs) they dodged a bullet with uh, Jerome Ford in the last scrimmage that but they need to keep Najee Harris and Brian Robinson healthy and then Jerome Ford and uh, Keelan Robinson. They're going to need four backs. And so, uh, you know, they, they just need to have some injury luck because the last couple of years, I know they won it all in 17. but And really since 2012, they've had a lot of injuries. Uh, but uh, they've been in a lot of cases has been able to, over you know, overcome them. But I think in uh, 2016, it caught up to them a little bit. And then last year, I'm not, I don't really think it was injuries. I just think uh, even though cornbreads didn't help i I think overall what it was last year was just the the simple fact that when they got down to the end there were some coaches that uh, you know were, were looking to get out and there were some players that weren't focused mm-hmm. and you know that happens man but and then I think Clemson just played their best game and you have to tip your hat and now Alabama has to respond and that's why they've been the best program yep. in the country for the last twelve years heading into Coach David's thirteenth year is because they've always been able to respond and come back and I think they'll hopefully be able to do that again with a coaching staff that's going to be much more cohesive on both sides of the ball.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you 100%. I, I just feel like this this team in, in the with as much movement as they had in the coaching staff, I think it was needed. We needed some fresh blood on the coaching staff and, and for the players to, to kind of refocus. and And I just felt like they were, like you said, out of focus towards the end of the season. They lacked discipline in some areas and I'm I'm excited about the, the possibilities of the season and, and what what we could expect to see.
1: Yeah, no question. I mean, certainly uh offensively they've got to get better in the red zone, and that was a big key against Clemson because they moved the ball between the twenties. But really, honestly, the reason this team didn't climb the mountain and didn't uh become a fifteen and national champion is is while they were really good on defense, they weren't elite.
0: Right. And, and, you know, they, they really lost
1: their edge defensively. And a lot of it had to do with, you know, dysfunction in the coaching staff. Tosh was not ready to be a DC, did not understand the back end. That's why Golding had to take over into the first month. So that had to be, you know, cause some friction a little bit, you know, with, with, with the, with the, as far as calling the defenses. And then you had, uh, uh, and one of the biggest reasons is you, you had Craig Kuliagowski, who just did not, he did not run the D line room properly. It's not that he's not a good football coach, man. I mean, he, he has a lot of pelts on the wall from Missouri and Miami. There's just certain coaches that don't fit programs, and he didn't fit Alabama. His yeah. coaching style does not fit. Nick Saban is an assholes and elbows kind of guy. Right. I mean, and and uh, Kuliagowski is kind of a more laid-back dude that ain't working. I mean, it's, just, it's not going to work. And you, he he expects you to, to control your room, control your guys. He kind of let Isaiah bugs and, and Raquan run amok. But I got to give Raekwon a lot of credit that he was mature enough to come back because, you know, he he could have done the Mac Wilson and just said to hell with it and whatever. Yeah. But uh, he realized he left, he was going to be leaving some money on the table. And so he's come back with a bit much better mindset. And I can tell you what, guys, he, Raek kind of tweaked his uh, ankle in the scrimmage and yet he didn't take himself out. I mean, they, they helped him off the field, but what I mean is he came back in like 15 minutes after they taped him up and then, he limped through the rest of the scrimmage. He was not 100, percent but he, he rotated in and out the rest of the of the scrimmage out there in the brutal heat. And I think he was kind of sending a message to the rest of the D alignment. You know, this is my this is my position. You know, and I'm the leader of this team, and I'm going to be out here. So, and he was the only starter along the front because LeBron Ray did not scrimmage either either time. He's recovering from a uh, from ankle surgery, and then we, we have not seen DJ Dale, who got a knee sprain, so who's been uh, you know a revelation. Uh, at the nose position since then rolling early in the spring. So Alabama, they've they held a lot of guys out. They had Terrell Lewis only participated in one scrimmage, and then he was on a pitch count also. So, and, the, and Anthony Jennings is on a pitch count in both situations. Uh, so, you know, that's just the way it is. They've, they've, they're trying to be smart with some of this. They held Dylan Moses out of the first one. So there's been some people kind of gnashing their teeth here in the office, made some big plays. But we didn't get the true, you know, look at this defense in the, in the fall because they've been holding some guys out. And yet, they still did some good things, especially in that second scrimmage because I think in the secondary, with all this experience they've got coming back, even holding out Cheyenne Carter in the second scrimmage, uh, they I think they held their own. And I think right now you got to be excited because that top six, when you're talking, you know, uh, 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 with, with, with Shy Carter and Xavier McKinney and, and Jared Maiden being your top 3 safeties and then when you've got Patrick Surtain who I think is going to start at nickel and then you in the two corners Trevon Diggs and then the guy that holds the key Josh Job I think they're very good and I think Job is the one that can take this defense to an elite level because uh, with, with Savion Smith you know pulling an OA and laying down like a dog in the national championship game and kind of basically ending his Alabama career it opened the door to see Job who Probably should have played more, and we saw some talent there. But if he's ready to go, this can be a lot like 2015 when you saw Eddie Jackson kind of fit right in at free safety when he moved and uh, he became an All-American and took the defense to the next level. And I think Jobe can do the same thing. And I think this this secondary for Alabama, last year there was a lot of guys running wide open in scrimmages, man. Not this year, and that's saying a lot because – uh, when you look at it, and even that's even with the twos, you know, the twos are giving up some some throws and catches. But look, guys, they're trying to cover four first or second round drafts. <laughs> yeah. These, dudes, these <laughs> dudes are pros, man. And So I just think – I think that right now the secondary, due to the addition of Charles Kelly and due to, uh, you know, uh, Pete Golding now being the man and then bringing in South Sunsary and Brian Baker, this defensive staff is much, much better from a coaching standpoint. And
2: I think you'll see the results mm-hmm. on the field. Yeah, uh, Drew. This is Jake. Um, my question to you is, um, you know, as Alabama fans, we all uh, fell in love with Quentin Williams last year, and uh, coming into the off season we was kind of wondering, well, who's going to take that, you know, fill that spot? And uh, you know, early in practice, like you mentioned, DJ uh, Dale took over, and and he won the hearts of many, of many Alabama fans already. It's unfortunate he got injured, but Do you think that, you know, all this hop on him is is actually warranted this early in his career?
1: Well, I mean, I saw him in high school at Clay Chalkville, and he was Mm -hmm. only a three-star, quote-unquote, by the rankings. And I knew as soon as I started watching him that they were – whoever was evaluating needed to be evaluated. (laughs) Because, I mean, basically he he was six foot three, nearly, you know, 300 pounds. He moved really well. He was disruptive at the point of attack. And then you know when they get into the red zone, Clay would put him at tailback and hand him the football. And so you're talking about a kid that's that good an athlete, and then short yardage situations that they're using, and you could just tell that he was he had a chance to be special. I mean, honestly, because he got a little heavy his last year of high school, he was more dominant than, I, than I, when I went when I went and watched Duron Payne. And we all know wow. mm-hmm. when he got in shape at Alabama. So, yeah. you felt yeah. like there was a chance for yeah. this guy to be a really good player and that he'd been undervalued. And, I mean, he, certainly you don't know until you, you hit the field, man, because I'm going to tell you what. Right now, you know, there's some things going on. You know, Antonio Alfano came in with the biggest name. And he a lot of people had him sold as the top five player in the country, maybe the best defensive player. Uh, in high school football last year, and he, I'll be honest, guys, it's been a struggle for him since he got to Alabama. It's uh, he's become a, uh, a a small fish in a big pond now, and it, you know, and in a lot of ways, I think he needs to redshirt and get bigger, and then and then take his career from from here. He, he can still be a really good player, but he's he is definitely physically well behind a, a DJ Dale or a, and a uh, Justin and Bogby, who's been getting a lot of first team uh reps and, and even a, a you know, a guy like Byron Young who I thought had a really good mm-hmm. scrimmage. So a lot of these DLs, Ismail Sotcher's losing weight, and then Braylon Ingraham, he came in with a stacked defensive line group, man. And I mean yeah. I know and it's not I mean he, again he didn't he didn't uh make, he didn't put all these uh recruiting rankings on himself. I mean they this that's kind of the problem with the recruiting process. They start blowing these guys up. He can still be a good player, but he didn't face a lot of good high school competition, I think. And I think, and sometimes those all-star practices can give you a false hope. So uh, it's just it's not the same. Yeah. But I still think DJ Dell can be special this year. I think he's going to start, uh, you know. And I think Justin Abogbe is going to be probably your fourth defensive lineman uh, because I, 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 and I, you talked about Quinn and Williams. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to have production like that, but I think if if someone can have a breakout year and, and you know, become a, a guy that the pro scouts are really looking at, I think it's uh, like LeBron Ray because I watched him from his 10th grade year on. I think he has a lot of natural talent. Uh, I thought Bugs got hurt last year, especially in the Iron Bowl. They plugged in uh, LeBron and it, it, they didn't miss anything. And I think LeBron, as long as yeah. he can get healthy, I think that first group of DLs is going to be really good. And then when you talk about it, Bogue you talk about Stephon Wynn Jr., who's going to get healthier again. You talk about Christian Barmore, uh, you know, I think – and uh, Federian Mathis. I think this D-line group can become deep. It just, it's just not probably going to be toward, until toward the middle of the season in November when these guys gain experience. But that will be the best time because, the you know, I think I still think Alabama's season is going to be defined by November, and I think they can have a, a deep defensive line group by then. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's uh, the defensive line. I'm excited about the depth. And, and, you know, you mentioned LeBron Ray. I think it was about the, the Tennessee game last year is when you started really seeing, you know, what kind of college player he could become. Obviously, I thought he had the potential. He was a highly rated prospect. And, but it seemed like I think it was about the Tennessee game last year. He was getting some reps and he was starting to make some plays. And and like you said, when Bugs went down with the injury, he—you could really see what what kind of player he's capable of being. And he's—he's he's probably the guy I'm most excited to watch this fall.
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely want to see—you know what what Brian Baker can do with this group. He did a great job with Jeffrey Simmons and Montez Sweat, and he has an extensive—you uh, know—with uh, the NFL, he 19 years there. He did a good job on the college level too. I think he's more of a taskmaster. Uh, you know, I hear he's a little bit of a different guy. I don't know how good a recruiter he's going to be. But, again, I've tried to tell people this, man. When you when you put together a coaching staff, you ain't putting together different guys. And the Other guys are going to be considered more uh, recruiters and getting players. Other guys are going to be, uh, you know, ball coaches. And I think Baker's a ball coach. And I think Saban's happy with the, the development of the D-line so far. And I'm excited about it. I mean, I think this defense – the biggest question still is will linebacker, you know, who's going to play that weak side position. It was the biggest question I think on the football team coming into fall camp. I mean, I know we haven't really talked about it until now, but you know, I feel bad for Joshua McMillan. He's a very intelligent kid, very smart. And you know, he got hurt on the first play of the first scrimmage, you know, he was trying to cover Jerome Ford out of the backfield. His knee just gave out. And so it's horrific timing for him, but it, it, it opens up an opportunity and, I, there's some people that are down on the talent in the inside linebacker room besides Dylan Moses. I'm not. I think they're talented. They're just inexperienced. And, hey, I mean, first scrimmage, uh, Markiel Benton took full advantage. But then after that, during the week of practice, uh, you know, Christian Harris, who played all quite a bit, with the, a little bit with the ones, but mostly with the twos and threes in the first scrimmage. He had a great week of practice. And now, you know, and, and now he, he took that over to the scrimmage. They threw him to the wolves a little bit. And he responded. And I think it says a lot for him mentally to be able to start to understand this scheme. And I'll say this, too. It, what it shows is he's kind of got a mentality like a Minka Fitzpatrick. Minka did not enroll early uh, and was able to win a starting job in the secondary. I think that Christian Harris has shown the t- the same kind of maturity. And I know during the recruiting process, he wanted to come to Alabama, and they kind of backed off. And reevaluated, and we're continuing to look at their board, and they had the Kobe Deans of the world and the Henry Teletoas, and and they put him on hold a little bit, and he committed to Texas A&M. But the more Nick Saban watched him on tape, the more he liked him, and he finally decided. He told the staff, he said, "Look, you know this dude's an NFL player, high draft pick. I don't know if it's going to be a safety. He may grow into a linebacker, but we need this guy." And quickly, he, you know, he started putting on weight. He's you know 6'2", 240 plus and. And funny thing is, guys, he did not play any linebacker in high school. He played yeah. eight, he played safety and wide receiver and return kicks and punts. And so, and then he didn't start playing linebacker until he got to the All Star games. And so that's when he started doing that. And so he's still kind of uh, learning the position. But like Coach said, he's like a C.J. Mosley, a Rolando McClain, Nico Johnson. You know, you got you and uh, Dante Hightower. They're just going to throw him in there and see how he responds and he's responded so far he tweaked his knee in practice this week i mean he's got a, he's got a brace on he's a little micked up but i think he's going to be okay but again i think a lot of alabama fans were really irritated with the kobe dean to georgia and toa toa especially to tennessee and toa toa may start the first game but you have to also focus on who you get and that right. shane lee who i think can be another sean Dion hamilton level kind of guy if he if, If Harris is hurt, I think Shane Lee could start. But, uh, you know, as far as if he's too nicked up to start that first game. But if he heals quickly, I think, you know, he has a good chance to start against Duke. I think Harris is really athletic. And and quite frankly, I just want to drive the LSU people crazy by the time we get to them in November and then you announce the starting lineup. And the best middle (laughs) linebacker in college football the Mike is Dylan Moses from Baton Rouge. The weak side linebacker is Christian Harris from Baton Rouge. (laughs) <laughs> you know, they kind of
0: like uh, those apples a little bit oh, oh yeah I'd,
2: I'd love that no kidding
0: <laughs> oh, but kind of you know you, you mentioned lsu and you know our, the past few seasons that's kind of been the, the the game of the year who who do you feel like is the team that's going to give Alabama the, the the biggest challenge in the regular season well i
1: mean i, I think it's a, a three-horse race i think Texas A&M is certainly not going to be easy. We'll see how good they are in the second week going to, you know, Death Valley and Clemson. And, uh, you know, they've got – you know, I I thought Kellen Mond had some success against Alabama a year ago. I still think they're probably a year away from their roster situation, but I still think they can challenge out. I think it's a uh, two-game race. LSU coming to bryant Eddy, Because in a lot of ways, I think if LSU – if this offense, if they finally – you know, going to change it, and it works, I, right. think, I think their roster can go toe-to-toe with Georgia's because I think Georgia, I, I'm not sold on their defense, especially defensive line up front and their pass rush, uh, you know, and, and I'll say this, people aren't talking about it. With Alabama, they were all last year. Oh, well, Alabama lost their coordinators again, and, you know, I, I, I'm not sure about the Loxley hire and the and the hire of, uh, uh, you know, Toshley Floyd. They still got to the national championship game. But Georgia lost both of their coordinators, you know, Mel Tucker. Yeah. And, and, and nobody right.
0: talks about it. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. They they have the most attrition they've had in the Kirby smart era, and nobody brings it up.
1: Yeah. And then Jim Chaney to Tennessee. So he, he, he would promoted from within with Dan Lanning on defense. And then of course, James Coley on offense and they act like they just going to keep rolling and Kirby, some genius who doesn't throw up all over himself in big games, which is exactly <laughs> what he's done so far at Georgia. So, I mean, it's amazing to me because I mean, the Georgia fans. I mean, they they're they're so arrogant. They 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 actually get under my skin more than Auburn or I agree uh, or LSU yeah. or I mean, because again, Alabama Auburn is a huge rivalry, so you know there's going to be some angst. I mean, Auburn has you know for many many years lived in Alabama's shadow, so I understand that part of the rivalry. And then with LSU, you understand it because they had Nick Saban. Man, he got to the top, right. two thousand three, and then. Refs got them back in 2007, and they've been—they were close since that period of time, but they just couldn't beat Alabama. really understand that rivalry, Georgia. Hell, you don't understand it because if it wasn't for Herschel Walker, they would have nothing. Right. Yeah. So that's sure. why I make fun of them in that way and say, you know, Herschel Walker DVDs, because that's all they had. And then they just act like, well, you know, the refs took it from us, or it's just a matter of time we're going to beat Alabama. When? When, yeah. was the last time you did? You beat Nick Saban in his first year in 2007, and he's whipped <laughs> your ass every time since.
0: <laughs> and and it took and it took overtime with a first round draft pick at quarterback. Exactly. And Saban's first so, year.
1: <laughs> yeah, I did. It was with Matthew Stafford. You know? right. So I mean, and, and and certainly the games have been tremendous. I mean, 2012 SEC championship game. You know, 2017 national championship. Oh, game. I think we might have lost you. No, I'm here. Have you got oh, me. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We do. <laughs> yeah, and so and so you've got you, you, you know they they in the 2012 game it was a great game and I come back battle them and down double digits and that really cost Mark Rick his job and then yeah. in the 2017 national championship game and then last year so you know I mean I, they've had they've done very very close but again you know it's like the old Rick Flair, flairism man if you want to be the man you got to beat the man and they haven't done it and you just the people are just sort of just uh, assuming it's gonna happen. Well, I think Alabama's in Georgia's heads, and yeah. I mean, I I think I and we'll see if they can ever get over the hump. But I think Alabama is a better football team than Georgia. I, I think Fromm is a good, uh, really good quarterback, but he's not special like Tua. I know?
0: agree. I agree with that one hundred percent.
1: I mean, I know they have a really good offensive line, and Sam Pittman gets all these uh, accolades for who they've recruited. But I think Alabama's offensive line is going to be pretty good too. And uh, I made this point to a good friend of mine in the media. A couple of days ago, or maybe, I guess it was last night, I, I said, "How many times has Sam Pittman beat Alabama?" I'd like somebody to go back and look at that. And he was at Arkansas, and when he's been at Georgia, he has never beaten Alabama. Do you understand? So yeah. you know, everybody acts like he's the greatest offensive line coach. They've got the you know uh, five first round draft picks up front. Well, we'll see. I do think DeAndre Swift is the best running back maybe in the country, and and I think is really their best player. Uh yep. but, but again, and, but they're lauding Zemir White. We'll see, man. I just I just think Georgia is going to have a, a rougher time this year. I I still think they're probably going to get to Atlanta. But, you know, but, I, again, I, I just think there's too many people just basically handing them the keys uh, to the car or the trophy before they've won it. So, right. I just think that Alabama right- – still has the edge and when you look at the both the football teams i think alabama's better on both sides of the ball than georgia because georgia has a lot of un, unanswered questions at wide receiver man i mean they don't have we'll see if these young kids and demetrius robertson can can uh, bring the noise and, and actually produce they haven't yet so i mean we'll see i mean uh, i just think alabama right now they alabama has the best wide receiver core in in college football it's the deepest i've ever seen
2: mm-hmm. i mean
1: uh you know that probably the the only other one that I can compare it to was Florida back in the nineties when they had Quesi green, they had Redell, Anthony, they had Hilliard uh,
0: way back in the day,
1: (laughs) but this, I think this group's even better. And then, and they've developed some depth. They've got John Mechie. They've got uh, Slade Bolden, who I still think is going to be a really nice player, Xavier Williams. So they're not those, the top four, but they're still really good. And so I just think when you look at that and I, and Steve Sarkeesian to me, I know it wasn't his sexiest hire, but I think he has a really good relationship with Tua and Talia Tungavailoa. I think you know he's a much better. I think he's a better fit in college, uh, and I think overall he's going to get Alabama back to you know running the football. That's what he's always done as an offensive coordinator and a head coach. And I think they'll play action. I think they're going to make the game easier for Tua and hopefully protect him because Tua's just got to make better business decisions at times, not take tacklers on and throw the ball away a, a little bit, check down. But I mean, uh, people have to understand. They keep lauding Jake Fromm like he's Tom Brady, but Tua—he's he, only had one year of starting, and you know they—and he—he really—he went—he had forty-three touchdowns and six interceptions, and they keep talking about how he's got to play better against elite defenses. <laughs> I mean, I just—I—I I, don't—I don't understand that a little bit. I—I I will say this: you only get—you either get better, or you get worse. So if Tua gets better, how how good can he be? And I yeah. think he can still be every bit as good or better than Trevor Lawrence and. I think right now there's only one program that can look Alabama in the eye and know that they can play with them day in and day out, and that's Clemson because Clemson has actually beaten Alabama unlike our friends in Athens.
2: Absolutely. Right. Exactly. Couldn't have said it
1: better. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, I got one more question for you, Drew. Um, you know, speaking of the the last couple of times we played Georgia, you know, we've beaten them with a backup quarterback. Um how do you see Matt Jones doing as a, as a backup this year? Just in case something does happen to Tua, God forbid.
1: Well, I mean, I think he's definitely made progress. Mm-hmm. He was like a scared rabbit last year in the games. I think in the spring he was getting better, and I think he's gotten better in the fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he, he he did have one interception of a, but a great young DB like Jordan Battle, you know, picked him off. And mm-hmm. and the thing is, I think to 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 before I finish the thought on Mac that's one other thing that I'm confident in this Alabama team and this recruiting class. And even though some of those coaches are gone, they, they did hit it out of the park in recruiting. Cause I think they got a lot of good young DBs, uh, you know, like a, uh, you know, uh, Brandon Turnage, uh, DeMarco Hellams, uh, you know, M- Marcus Banks, Scooby Carter, uh, you know, they've got, they got, they signed several really good young and uh, Jordan battle, several really good young DBs. So I think they're going to develop some depth in that secondary, but, as far as to yep. go back to your point on Mac Jones, I'm still not convinced that he could win a national championship. I do, though, have no doubt that Alabama could win ten plus games and put themselves in position to get to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And then when you're when you're going to Atlanta, if you know if the if the dogs are as good as people think, or if Florida's an elite team, then you're going to be basically playing a playoff game in that environment. And I, you know, could he get a win in an SEC championship game? I don't think it's an impossibility. But I still have doubts that he could climb the, the top of the mountain, which is win a national championship. But I will say this, guys, and nobody mentions this, but I, if you go back and look at what Georgia's got at backup QB and Clemson, mm-hmm. I think Matt Jones is better than uh, either one of their guys. So if they were to get an injury like that, they would be in worse shape than Alabama. I think Alabama's solid right now. I think Talia is going to be a good player, but he's not Tua. Uh, he, he's got some developing to do, and I think he's shown flashes. But, uh, you know, what I really think is it's they're going to give Mac Jones uh, should Tua do what he needs to do and play at a the high, the high level and become the first pick in next year's draft and move on. Certainly Mac will be given a shot at the job, but I'm going to be real interested by that time to see how much better Talia's gotten and if a guy like Bryce Young's been added to the quarterback room. I think it would be a very, very interesting battle. But I do think Mac Jones has made good
0: progress. Okay. Hey, Joey, we, we, we had fun. I don't know about you, but that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. I really enjoyed it, guys. I appreciate it. Hey, we we hope you'll get back on with us again. Like we said, we love, we're, we're excited about the football season, but we're also excited about the basketball season, the Nate yeah. Oates era, getting started up later on in the next couple of months, so hopefully we can get you back on and talk some college hoops sports over with.
1: Yeah, absolutely, guys. I certainly enjoyed being on Tide Talk with you, and, uh, you know, Nate Oates has got me excited. I mean, his biggest influence in coaching, he's one of my favorites of all time, Tom Izzo, and as you guys have seen, they've been at boot camp this week, and trying to continue to establish toughness in the program a friend of mine said it was too gimmicky and it was an Auburn kind of thing I I don't believe that I think this program if you if you followed it long enough and I certainly have uh you know they've had talent you know they've had some success but not sustained and I think honestly it's because the toughness has been lacking since Wimp Sanderson retired I mean I think they they went on talent uh with under Mark Godfrey and I think uh, Anthony Grant, you know, he, he had a couple of bright moments, but he couldn't sustain it because of recruiting. And then Avery Johnson recruited really well, but he had no clue how to run a college program. It was and a, too, much, too much of an NBA mentality. And I think Nate Oates is a perfect combination. And I give Greg Byrne, you know, so much credit for identifying him and going out and hiring him. And I know – there's some fans have been irritated with the ticket situation in football and some things with that, with, uh, with Greg Byrne. But overall, he's been a home run as athletic director. He's got the baseball program in much better place. Uh, I think he's going to fix, uh, you know, the athletic department as a whole. And, of course, men's basketball. And, of course, he's going to keep football climbing and, and staying among the elite because I'm the environment's changing, man. It's just different, you know, what you got to do to attract fans because of all the TV exposure and the SEC network. you got to do different things. And Greg Byrne understands that. But to
0: yeah. me, it's a great time to be an Alabama fan, period. Mm-hmm. I agree hey, with that. Hey, Drew, th- thanks so much for being on with us. And we, we hope to talk to you again soon, man. Roll thanks, guys. Appreciate you right. having me, man. Enjoyed it. See Roll you. <laughs> Roll Tide. Roll so we appreciate uh, Drew uh coming on board to uh, to be a guest on the show and uh, uh we enjoy his insight. Uh, he's obviously very knowledgeable as you, as you could uh, uh see here and uh we just really had a lot of fun with Drew and he's uh he's got that, you know, that that attitude of, you know, just he just says whatever's on his mind and I I appreciate mm-hmm. that from him. You know, a lot of guys try to hold back and and he's not yeah. like that. He he tells you what he really thinks and and he says it with conviction and and that's just something we that we, we both really appreciate. You know, make sure you give, give Drew you. a follow on Twitter uh, at DrewD977ESPN. Uh, Talking Ball is his show on 97.7 The Zone in Huntsville. It's mm-hmm. uh, from 7 to 9 a.m. Uh, weekday morning, so make sure you check that out. Uh, follow him on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me, uh, Stacy Blackwood, at Blackwood89.
2: And, of course, I'm at Jake Thomas Time.
0: Yeah, so give us a follow. Uh, follow our podcast Twitter feed at Tide Talk underscore Pod. Tweet at us using the hashtag Tide Talk. Uh, guys, we appreciate the support so much. Uh, the last couple of podcasts have, have been outstanding, and as far as uh, listenership, and we really appreciate that. And uh, yes, we, we hope do. y'all Thank will you all. continue all to to listen to us and, and support us. And we just really appreciate that. And mm-hmm. uh, we'll talk to y'all again soon. See y'all. Roll Tide. Roll Tide.